It's terrible, isn't it, the way your plans just don't work out. So all week I've been planning this line. Yeah, those of you I've tested out on who said it was too cheesy, I'm going to use it. <laughs> In which I say, you know, it's been a, a messy World Cup. But this is a messy world we live in. <laughs> but because they went to penalties, I was so annoyed. Extra time and then penalties. I don't even know which way it applies. So everyone said it would be a disaster, and so it's proved. Let's start with a different contemporary starting point, and it's possible we'll go back to Lionel Messi in a bit. Hasn't it been cold and dark? I mean, it's, it's, it's just as dark, it's not quite as cold, but what a week we've had. It's very interesting how many uh, Christian hymns, obviously written in uh, Northern Europe, uh, I think, uh, impose the kind of Northern European turn of the year uh, on Israel. I mean, it can snow there. I remember being on, staying in a room on the top of a hotel in Jerusalem in March, actually, and, it, uh, and, and snow came down, and it was absolutely freezing um, but there's no record in the biblical story that the weather was particularly bad. And yet, for all those hymn writers, whether it's in the bleak midwinter or see amid the winter's snow, whatever it may be, for all those hymn writers, I think they were pointing to something beyond physical coldness and physical dark. And they saw in those things, in the northern European change of the year and winter, something about the world that Jesus was coming into, and the journey he was making. I tend to go in um, fads of what I read, and a few years ago I had a polar exploration fad. Um, books kept arriving, and Debbie was saying, oh, we'll be through it in a few months, and she was quite right. But among a number of books I read about <clears throat> some of those amazing journeys that were made and attempts on the uh, South Pole in particular, among the books I read was a very really quite long and dense and full account, not of a journey to the South Pole, but a different journey. The book is called The Worst Journey in the World. And it's written, it was written by a bloke called Apsley Cherry Garrard. Now, it's the kind of name that you wish you'd had. You felt you could have gone a bit further with a name like Apsley Cherry Gerard behind you. But anyway, it was these uh, three guys who were, um, at, uh, who were in Antarctica in winter... And they went on foot in the middle of the Antarctic winter, an unbelievably long way, in order, believe it or not, to steal some eggs from some king penguins. I am not making this up. And you know, it was the Antarctic winter. So the sun never came out. It was dark the entire time. It was utterly freezing. And they got there and they found these miserable king penguins and they nicked their eggs and went back again. One of the eggs got broken. And the whole scientific, pseudo-scientific reason on which they were nicking these king's pe penguin eggs turned out to be completely bogus anyway. But it's still an amazing story of what he calls the worst journey in the world, in the cold and in the dark, for something that seemed important. Christmas is about the Lord Jesus Christ making the most astonishing journey ever. From the heights of heaven, where he was the eternal son of God, to our cold, dark earth.
And I can tell you, it wasn't a hit-and-run raid on king penguin eggs either. Why do you move towards someone who's in the cold and in the dark? Well, a heart of compassion might lead you to make a journey towards them just to be with them. And that phrase is very important. When the angel announced uh, Jesus' coming, uh, he said one of the names that he's going to have is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this great journey that Jesus made was to come and be with us. The invisible God becoming visible, becoming a man, and joining us in the cold and the dark of earthly existence as a human being. And he joined us in all the ways in which we experience cold and dark in our lives. And a great act of solidarity and of compassion and of coming and saying, I'm going to share that with you. I read some article by a journalist recently. I've forgotten the details, but just, just in the last two or three weeks, in which the, the person said that they, they weren't going to spend some money on something this Christmas because it just seemed indecent to do so when there were so many people struggling with the cost of living. And I, I thought, gosh, that's an interesting kind of thing, isn't it? And the Lord Jesus Christ came all the way into our world to join us in the ongoing crisis of living in a cold, dark world. And what that says to us is that God knows about us. He knows about our situation, and he cares enough about it to come and join us in it and experience it with us. That's a very great truth about the eternal God. I wonder if your view of God needs to be adjusted slightly to accommodate the idea that the eternal, infinite God who has made everything loves us enough to come and join us in the coldness and darkness of our world and to experience it as a human being. But there's more than that. Someone who simply came in solidarity and compassion would be rather like a doctor who, when you've got a compound fracture of your leg and you need uh, doing whatever they would do to put it back together, just broke his own leg. Um, and, and you might think, well, uh, there's lots of co compassion and solidarity there, but actually I just want fixing. Well, Jesus came in compassion, in solidarity, and he also came to be with us, to rescue us. The name Jesus, which means God saves. Entering our world, experiencing our world, taking on the worst of our world so he could lift us out of the cold and dark of our world. Into a place of warmth and of light. Now, in a different part of the world, you would use different imagery. A different part of the world, you would talk about uh, the difficulties of life being in terms of being too hot and too dry. It's hard to imagine that it was only a few months ago it felt a bit like that around here as well. But the Northern European winter speaks to us of coldness and of dark, and the gospel of Christ speaks to us of being taken to a place of warmth and of light instead. 
And to understand the full implications of that, it's so helpful for us to just, just to pick up those pictures of coldness and dark for a minute. The coldness that life itself can seem to offer. The coldness of other people at times. Maybe it feels like that quite a lot of the time. Maybe deliberate, maybe inadvertent. And then the coldness of our own hearts. Why is it we aren't as compassionate all the time as we are at our best moments? Why is it we find our own selfishness reasserting itself so much that actually we, we just find the compassion thing just switched off and we, we ignore those in need? What is it about us that means we can't turn up the thermostat of our hearts for very long and keep it there? And we find ourselves reverting to a kind of introverted coldness so much. What about the darkness? So much in life that is just very confusing and uncertain and we can't work out, can't be sure of. What about the darkness of injustice in our world? Where perpetrators on the grand corporate scale and on the individual scale seem to get away with it so much. What about the darkness, again, inside of us that we try to mask from others and even from ourselves that we know is there and we know we can't remove it? In so many ways, there's coldness out there and there's coldness in here. There's darkness out there and there's darkness in here. And the Lord Jesus Christ has come to rescue us from those things by being born and dying and being raised again. A number of years ago, we lived in the United States when we were uh, studying uh, before coming to Cambridge. We had a flat in an apartment block and our neighbours had a little girl who was about the same age as our son. And they were, I don't know, one, I suppose, about one or even under one at the time. Uh, She was called Hannah and he would go around and play. And uh, how can I put it? He, uh, he would sometimes play with one thing and then throw it down and play with another thing and then throw that down. And you can imagine the kind of state that her bedroom ended up in. And she had this thing that she would often say. And she would sort of flap her hands, poor thing. Um, I feel a bit sorry for her now, but she would flap her hands and she would say, Messy, messy, messy! Don't we all actually know what that's like? And wish there was someone from the outside to put us right and to bring us to God and to give us the assurance that in this life there is someone with us, guiding us, leading us, and that after this life we will not have to face God's judgment naked but instead be received to eternal life, not because of anything we've done, but solely because of Jesus. Well, it's because of Jesus that can be true. We can be rescued. It was 42 years ago today that this finally clicked for me. I'd had a religious upbringing, which in many ways I'm grateful for, though one or two bits that were quite important seemed to get left out along the way. And through a little group at my school, 
Someone started to explain to me that Jesus Christ did not come to earth to tell me that I had to try harder and given me even more impossible standards to aim for. That's essentially what I'd thought up till that point. But started explaining that Jesus had come to deal with me in my coldness, to deal with me in my darkness, to die for me upon the cross, be raised again so that I could have new life. I fought against it for ages. I didn't want to admit I couldn't save myself. I thought that was deeply embarrassing. But he kept at it in his quiet, gentle way. And I went away, and there was a conference for um, school sex formers uh, held in Oxford, of all places. And uh, we were just, um, I think it was the second afternoon, standing around, um, drinking tea, and people had pieces of cake and things. It was quite a crowded room, and one of the leaders, a teacher from a different school to mine, uh, called Mike, uh, he said to me, how are you enjoying the conference? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. What do you think of the teaching and what are you hearing? Well, it's quite interesting. What, what are you hearing that's new? Well, I'm hearing about Jesus. And he said, oh, well, did you get that image that we used about how you, you, Jesus can either be on the outside of your life or on the inside of your life, and he's knocking on the door and you, you need to open it. I said, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. And he said, where is he in your life? Is he on the outside? Is he on the inside? And I thought, I can't lie. I do feel embarrassed to say it. But I said to him, he's on the outside. And he said to me, where do you want him to be? What a great question. Where do you want him to be? And I said, on the inside. And there and then, I prayed a prayer, admitting my sin, believing Christ had come for me and died for me, opening myself to him and committing myself to him for the rest of my life. To say it was the best choice I've ever made is to kind of underplay it, really. Where is he with you? Is he on the outside, looking in and knocking? Where would you like him to be? Let me ask again that great question that that bloke Mike asked me. Where do you want Jesus to be? This son of God who has come into the dark and cold and mess of our lives and our world to bring us to God? It will only happen for you if you open the door and let him in. And you can. You can do that this evening. You can do that now. You can pray a quite simple prayer of saying, I even am not completely sure what I'm doing, but I do want you in my life. Come in and then show me what the next step is. We never try to browbeat anyone or manipulate anyone into any kind of spiritual move in this church. But we do encourage people. We do urge you. And this year, this seems all the more important because it will be my last time of doing that with you. Consider Jesus. Consider the warmth and the light that he wants to bring into your life and to bring you into for all eternity. Consider the mess in your life that you can't put right for yourself and that will otherwise send you somewhere you really don't want to be into ultimate cold and darkness for all eternity. Consider these things and then ask yourself, where do I want Jesus to be?
and then respond and ask him in. Let me give you a moment to respond to him just quietly. And then I'll pray and we'll sing our last carol. Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray you would be entering into many lives today. For your name's sake. Amen.